0: Two weeks ago, we started this section in the second chapter of James, dealing with the famous subject of faith without works. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture because it deals directly with the very definition of true faith. And the proper understanding, it will yield the most beautiful picture of salvation. Last time I taught, we went through uh, verses 14 through 20, which dealt with a person with dead faith. A person that would make a claim of believing knowledge but not have any evidence that the belief was real. We talked about how true saving faith was not just faith, not just a belief or faith alone that Yahweh or Yeshua existed. You can't just believe that they're there. Sure, we have to believe that Yahweh is the creator of the universe. There's no doubt about that. We must believe he's the creator of the universe, and he's the ultimate source of the world, the one true father of life that gives all good things. And we also have to believe in his son, We must believe that his son was sent as the savior of the world. All those will be saved. That Yeshua was the unblemished lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of many people. And that he was blameless. We must believe these things. We must truly believe all of this in order to have salvation. That's the kind of faith a man must produce in order to have salvation. However, this faith should never be alone. The belief is always accompanied by evidence or actions or by what we would call works. Because mere faith without works is dead. James gives us an example of how dead faith is like someone telling someone else to go and go in peace, be warm, be fed. But you're not ever giving that person what it takes to do that with. Dead faith is nothing more than empty words. James refers to the example of the demons. He says, you believe that Yahweh is one, the Shema. You can quote the Shema. You believe that. You do well. He said, but so do the demons. The demons believe it also. They've got one up on you because they don't only believe it. They actually have works. They shudder. And basically, his point is, their works are greater than yours. You say you believe the Shema, and yet you don't do anything about it. You're not even fearful of Yahweh. But the demons, they say they believe in the one true mighty one also, and they shudder at the very idea that he's going to judge them one day. So that's a brief review of what we've been studying. And, to, you know, just to remind you, to remind you of the context as we move on to the, in this week in chapter 2, we're going to go through verses 20 through 26. So let's read those. James chapter 2, verses 20 through 26 says this. It says, foolish man, are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was perfected. So the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed the Almighty, and it was credited to him for righteousness, and he was called Elohim's friend. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone, and in the same way, Wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Now James is so concerned about dead faith that he writes this whole epistle about it. Throughout this whole entire teaching, the whole epistle is to test and see if you have truth saving faith. That's the idea here. He's so concerned with it he kind of makes a final plea in verse twenty when he says this, O foolish man, are you willing to learn that faith without works is dead? Now we need to ask ourselves, we should ask ourselves before we study this, are we really willing to learn that faith without works is dead? Are we willing to examine ourselves and say, I have no works with what I claim? Are you willing to say that? Will you will you will you admit that you're wrong? We need to ask ourselves, because if you're not, you can't be honest here, and then therefore the test won't work. But if you'll be honest, and you ask yourself, do I produce works worthy of repentance? Do I produce works that prove that I have faith? If you're willing to ask yourself that and be honest, you you may find yourself in a bad place right here. Being in a bad place is not necessarily a good thing, but it's a good thing in this in this sense that you could say that you're in a bad place, or you may find yourself right where you need to be, and that's all right too, but we need to be honest when we ask ourselves, do we have works with our faith? Are we really listening? Are we really examining our lives? Are we willing to accept that our faith minus our works is useless? In other words, if we make a claim to believe in one mighty one, even, even to believe in His only begotten Son, but we don't have any fruit or any works to show for it, it's useless. It's dead. Dead faith is not capable of producing action. Hence the reason the works are absent. When your faith is dead, you won't have any works because it's not real faith. It's because it's not real faith. If you don't have anything to show for it, the truth is you don't have faith and you're not saved. You're lost and you're destined for a place in the lake of fire. That's where you're headed. Now if you'll notice, James here has given the examples of someone with dead faith. He kind of told us what it looks like in verses 14 through 20, but now he's moving on in verses 21 through 26, and he's going to show us what living faith looks like. And this is a contrast here, and he's trying to show the audience the difference between dead faith and living faith. Verses 14 through 20 equal dead faith. Verses 21 through 26 equals living faith. Let's read 21 through 23 again. It says, wasn't Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works, and by works faith was perfected. So the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed the Almighty, and it was credited to him for righteousness. And he was called Elohim's friend. James refers to Abraham Abraham once again as our father. We know that James is a half-brother of Yeshua, Therefore he's a Judite. And we also know that the audience whom James is speaking to is are scattered Israelites. We learned that back in the first verse of chapter one when he says that he's talking to the dispersion. So these people know who Abraham is. There's no question as to who Abraham is, not for them anyway. They're scattered Israelites. James is a Judite. And they would have heard every story that could have been told about Abraham. He was their father. He was the patriarch, the father of the nation that they belonged to and they would have studied about him from their youth and they'd have been told stories about him. So James tells them, wasn't Abraham our father justified by works? Now hang on a minute. Just a second. James is saying Abraham's justified by works. Some people might think that uh, man, that's not what Paul says in Romans. We talked about this last time I talked about how Paul almost seems contradictory to James. Remember Romans 4 and verse 2, Paul says, if Abraham was justified by works, then he has something to brag about. Don't forget this part. And then it says, but not before Elohim. Then in verse 3, in Romans chapter 4 4 and verse 3, it says, Abraham believed Elohim, and it was credited, credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, Pay is not considered a gift, but is something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who declares righteous the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. So Paul says Abraham wasn't accredited righteousness by his works, only his faith when he believed. That's what Paul's saying in Romans chapter 4, and verse 2. He also continues on in verse 6 through 8 with an example of David from the Psalms. David talks about the imputed righteousness of Yeshua when he says how happy those whose lawless acts are forgiven and whose sins are covered. How happy the man whom the Lord will never charge with sin. Paul continues on to reiterate salvation by faith through grace in the rest of Romans chapter 4. He does the same thing in Galatians 3 and verse 6. Once again he says that Abraham is justified by faith and it was credited to him for righteousness. So it seems that Paul's saying a man is justified by grace and faith and not by works, and rightly so. That's exactly what Paul's saying. That's absolutely true. But that doesn't seem to be what James says in James chapter two. James is saying we're justified that Abraham's justified by works and not faith alone. So what do we do? Do we throw one out? Throw one of these guys out? Seems like they're contradictory to me. Seems it, it might just be easier just to cast one to the side, and we'll just go with one of the books. But I don't think I don't think that's what we should do. We have to harmonize the passages between James and Paul. But how? James is talking about the same Abraham when he says that he was justified by works. That Paul's talking about in Romans when he says that he was justified by faith. Well, here's the key. Paul says if Abraham's justified by works, then he has something to brag about, but not before Elohim. But not before Elohim is the key part of this sentence right here. In other words, if Abraham would have obtained his salvation on his own or by his works, he could pat his own back and he could brag. But don't forget the last part, but not before Elohim. This is the difference. Not before Elohim. You cannot be justified before Yahweh by works. It will not work. You can't ever justify yourself before Yahweh with works. Nothing justifies you before Yahweh but faith. And the faith is only obtained by the grace shown to you by the Almighty. So Paul's right. We are justified by faith. Just like it says in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, No flesh will be justified in his sight by the works of the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin, but rather we are justified by his grace. But James is also right when he says that we're justified by works. Because when grace is given to us, it enables us to believe, and then we respond in faith. And the faith is made evident by our works. I hope you see the harmony between Paul and James. I, I hope I'm making myself clear. Let me explain it one more way, and just just so that I get the picture across. The whole idea here is that we're spiritually bankrupt. We're we're bankrupt. We have we have no faith, and we and we need someone to fill our account. In Genesis chapter 15 and verses 5 and 6, Yahweh told Abraham he would make his descendants as numerous as the stars, and it says that Abraham believed him and it was accounted to him as righteousness. This is when Yeshua's righteousness was imputed to Abraham's account and salvation was given to him in Genesis chapter 15. Believing has always brought about salvation. That's the way it's always been. That's just the way it works. Whether it's Abraham or you, salvation is brought about by faith. On this side of the torture stake or on on Abraham's side of the torture stake prior to Christ, It's always been the same way. Salvation comes about one way. Now, Abraham might not have had all the knowledge that we have about Yahweh today. Abraham, he didn't have it. He only had what Yahweh had revealed to him. Most of what we read in the Scriptures hasn't even happened in Abraham's day. He didn't have an Old Testament or a New Testament. He didn't have either of the two. Abraham, a lot of things had not even been prophesied about in Abraham's day. But Abraham still believed all that Yahweh had revealed of himself and his son and his plan for Abraham's future offspring. And Abraham believed it and was counted to him for righteousness. So the question is, does James believe that? Does James believe that Abraham is, is saved by faith? Sure he does. Look back at, at, at James chapter 2, and verse 23. He quotes the same verse that Paul quotes in Romans 4 about Abraham. Verse 23, it says, So the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed Elohim, and it was credited to him for righteousness. James understands what is written in Genesis 15. And the point I'm trying to make is that there's a contrast to be understood here. Paul is saying Abraham was justified before Yahweh, before Yahweh by faith alone. And James is saying that Abraham was justified before men by works alone. Do you see the difference? The only way that you or any other person can see true faith in a believer is by their actions. That's the only way that you can ever see it. And believe me, true believers will always produce works. Always. They will always produce fruit. But the fruit of works will not justify you before the Almighty. He knows what He's instilled in you. You can't you can't fool Yahweh as if you can work your way to, to produce some kind of... Um, physical or outside appearance that yahweh will accept you you can't do that yahweh knows what he's put in your heart or whether or not he's not put anything in your heart whatever he's put in your heart if he puts something in that will produce the works if he's not produced anything in the in your heart or if he's not instilled anything in your heart there will be no works that follow and if there are works that follow they're by your own accord and they're never good enough to satisfy yahweh what he what what he demands But James has the justification before men in mind in this epistle. James is emphasizing that justification before men is by works. That's how we show everybody around us that we're saved. Not that we're doing it to boast. It's just because we've been made a new creature. And when we're made a new creature, we automatically produce new works. We become different. We change. It's the only way... It's the only way a claim to salvation can be proven before men. Paul and James are not contradictory. Remember Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, the same writer that wrote Romans wrote Ephesians, and in chapter 2 and verse 10, he says that Yahweh created you unto good works, which he prepared ahead of time, that you should walk in them. Paul understood that we're saved by grace through faith, but that saving faith would lead us unto good works. And James is saying the exact same thing. See, Abraham's faith started in Genesis 12 in the Ur of Chaldeans when Yahweh told Abraham to go. And he went by faith. But his faith was made evidence in his works to save his lineage when he obeyed Yahweh and took Isaac up onto the mountain to to slay him or to sacrifice him. Let's look at Genesis 22, in verses 1 through 18. I'm going to read it just because I think the picture is beautiful. I think you can understand what James is talking about when he says was Abraham not justified by his works. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 22, I'm starting in verses 1. It says, After these things, Elohim tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am. He answered, Take your son, he said, your only son. He rubs it in a little bit right here. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, I will tell you about. So early in the morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place Yahweh had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Catch that then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he laid it on it, on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife and, two of, and the two of them walked together. Then Isaac spoke to his fa- father Abraham and said, My father, and he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I want you to really, 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 I mean, if you had to close your eyes, picture this right here. Abraham answered, The old will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that Elohim had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. And then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of Yahweh called to him from heaven, and he said, Abraham, Abraham, he says this out of emphasis, or either because Abraham's a man and every man needs to be told things twice. He says, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear Yahweh, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place Yahweh will provide. So today it is said, It will be provided on Yahweh's mountain. Then the angel of Yahweh called Abraham a second time from heaven, and he said, By myself I have sworn, says Yahweh, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your offspring will, will possess the gates of their enemies, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring because you have obeyed my command." See, in verses 16 and 17, it says, Because you have done this, and not withheld your only son, I will bless you. Abraham's faith was made known to all who were around him when he was obedient to Yahweh. And he took Isaac up to sacrifice him. So James is right when he is just summing up in verse 22. He says faith faith and works were acting together, and by those works his faith was perfected. That's because faith is never alone, and in order to show someone you believe, you have to have works. There's no other way to do it. Your faith and your acts, I mean, your faith and your works must act together. That's what it takes. So in verse 23, James says, Abraham believed Yahweh, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham's belief was accounted to him as righteousness, as righteousness by Yahweh, but Abraham's actions of sacrifice and Isaac was accounted to him as, right, as righteousness by mankind. Then at the end of verse 23, it says Abraham was Elohim's friend. Why does it say that? Because he did exactly what Yahweh asked him to do. That's why he was Elohim's friend. Remember John fifteen fourteen. Yeshua says this, He says, You're my friends if you do what? You. If you do what I command you. Abraham was Yahweh's friend because of his actions, because of his works. Look at verse 24, James chapter 2 and verse 24. We'll read it. It says, You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. So here James is just recapping what he said said in the previous three verses. man is justified by faith to Yahweh, but his faith is made evident to other men by his works. In verse 25, it says, And in the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out a different route? James has given us a second analogy here of what true faith looks like in the example of Rahab. Let's read that that account in Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from Acacia Grove, saying, Go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left, and they came to the house of a woman, a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they come to investigate the entire land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, Yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. At nightfall, when the gate was about to close, the men went out, and I don't know where they were going. Chase after them quickly, and you can catch up with them. But she had... Taking them up to the roof and hidden them amongst the stalks of flax that she had arranged in the roof. The men pursued them along the road to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as they left to pursue them, the gate was shut. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and said to them, Listen to this, guys. I know that Yahweh has given you this land, and that dread of you has fallen on us, and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. For we have heard that Yahweh dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you before you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings, you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart and everyone's courage failed because of you. For Yahweh, your mighty one, is mighty one of heaven and on earth below. Now please swear to me by Yahweh that you will also show kindness to my family because I show kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. The men answered her, we will give our lives for you if you don't report our mission. We will show kindness and faithfulness to you when Yahweh gives us the land. Notice what she says right here. I know that Yahweh has given you this land and that the dread of you has fallen on us. I know that Yahweh is the, the Almighty of heaven, and he's also the Almighty of earth. She knows that. She she makes a claim of faith, right? <clears throat> well, just, well, the true faith of Rahab is shown here. He says that she was justified by her works when she saved the spies. Well, I ask you, which one comes first? Her works or faith? Which one was first? Remember, it says that she believed that Yahweh had delivered the Israelites from Egypt and also the city of Jericho was handed over to them. Well, that was her faith. She knew that Yahweh was the creator of heaven and earth, the mighty one, and that Jericho would fall into the hands of the Israelites. She knew that. But because of this faith, she acted and she hid the spies. See, she wasn't just justified by believing Yahweh was a mighty Elohim. She was saved from his wrath when she made an alliance with the spies. Her obedience to her faith, her works behind what she believed, saved her very life. So again, it's the same idea as the example of Abraham. This woman Rahab believed she had faith about the truth of Yahweh and it was accounted to her as righteousness. But her belief was shown true by her actions to save the lives of the spies. All right, look at verse 26. It says, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. James concludes his thoughts here and gives us another analogy. He compares faith to the human body. And I think it's a great illustration. It reminds me of something Matthew told me a long time ago. He said that you can't expect a spiritual response from a a dead man. I think James is saying the same thing here. A body without life is a useless corpse only derived and stink. It needs dirt thrown over it or it needs to be burned so that it doesn't contaminate everything that's around it or anything that comes in contact with it. So also is faith. If it can't be made evident by works, what good is it? It's useless. It has no worth. Someone can say that they have faith, but unless they have proof by works, their words are useless, like a lifeless corpse. John Calvin said this, and I quote, Faith alone justifies but the faith that justifies is never alone. End quote. Mm -hmm. Let me repeat that. Faith alone justifies, but the faith that justifies is never alone. Mm -hmm. This is the point that James is making with the example of Rahab and Abraham, and it's the point of the epistle thus far. That faith without works is dead. A true saving faith is one that is accompanied by works. A dead, lifeless faith is shown by the absence. Of righteous works, a faith that justifies is never alone. And the two examples that James gives us of people who were justified both were willing to lose their life in order to serve Yahweh. Both of them, Rahab and Abraham, was lose a life if it wasn't their life. It was it was a life. And I wonder if we're if we're that dedicated to Him today. If you think about uh, if you think about Abraham, just Abraham, and I won't deal with Rahab, but you just think about Abraham. Yahweh's promised Abraham a seed, okay? He's promised him a nation of people, and he's not even giving him a way to get that until Isaac, okay? Abraham's old. He's 100 years old. Sarah's in her 90s when when Isaac's born. She shouldn't even have children. But he opened a barren womb, and he gave Isaac to Abraham and, and Sarah. I don't know how old Isaac is right now, but it's expected that he's that he's in his at least teenage years, maybe, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. I don't know. But he gives him to Abraham. And then one day he tells Abraham, he says, go and make a burnt offering to me. And I want you to sacrifice the only heir that I've given you. Take him up onto the mountain and kill him. That's what he tells him. So Abraham goes and he piles the wood on, on Isaac, Isaac's back. And he makes him tote his own wood that he's going to be burnt on. Well, Abraham has plenty of faith. He goes over there, and he, sacri- he, and he gets ready to sacrifice Isaac. And he tells the guys that are with him, what does he tell them? Tell them? He says, you wait here for us. We're going to go worship, and we'll come back. We'll, both of them. This is the faith of Abraham. He says, we're coming back. We'll come back. I don't even know that Yahweh, that, that Abraham didn't think that Yahweh was going to kill Isaac. I almost think that he did think that. I think that Abraham thought that he would really have to kill Isaac. But I think that he also knew that Yahweh was the one that raised the dead. I really think that. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17, it says this. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was offering up his unique son. That would be his only son and about whom it had been said in Isaac your seed will be called this is the only call, this is the only seed that that the nation of Israel will come forth from it says he considered Yahweh to be able even to raise someone from the dead from which he also got him back as an illustration this is the faith of Abraham he believed him so much that uh that he was willing to take his life. And I really, really, really believe that Abraham would have took his life. I almost believe that he might have been disappointed that he didn't, so he could see him raised to death. Do we believe in Yahweh enough to give up our own life or to sacrifice one of our children to prove our love for him? I don't. I love Yahweh. I love Yahweh, but it would be hard, hard, hard to give up one of my children. I want to say that I, I have faith like that. I want to say that, man, I I believe that I could die for Yahweh. I would give up my life. But to take one of my children's life, I don't know that my faith's that deep. I wish it was. I wish I had faith like Abraham or even like Rahab, but I'm not sure that I do. Don't be deceived, brothers and sisters, into thinking that just because you hear the truth and your mind even affirms the truth, in other words, you believe that that's enough. Don't think that that's enough. Don't be deceived in that. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. That's what James says. The only way we will know them is by the fruit. That's what Yeshua said. And the only way to know if someone has true saving faith is by their actions. By the way they live, by the way they act, by the way they speak, by the way they behave. Belief alone doesn't work. Even the demons believe. A true saving faith is marked by the righteous works of a transformed life. James sums up sums it all up in verse 24. He says, A man is justified by, by works and not by faith only. Because a man who is justified by Yahweh's grace, because of his faith, he will rep- produce righteous works to be seen by men, not for his glory, but for the glory of Yahweh. Amen. James has shown us what dead faith is. And he's also shown us what living faith looks like. May Yahweh help us to practice true. Saving, living, working faith. Let's stand and pray. Father Yahweh, we love you today. I'm thankful for you, Father. I'm thankful for the, the time that you've given us to, to sit here in your congregation and a fellowship with one another to testify how, how great your, your works are in our lives, Father. I pray now that, Father, you'd let us be honest with ourselves. Let's really examine our lives. Let's go back to the scriptures. Let's look at what you've shown us to look at. And um, make sure that we're doers of your word. Father, let us not think that we're justified by our works. But, Father, reassure us that we have been justified by our works. Father, instill within us the good works that you prepared ahead of time for those who love you. Father, we love you with all our heart. We're thankful for all that you've done for us and Father, I just pray that you'd get us home safe. Let us live a live a week full of uh full of fruitful works and fruitful lives. And Father, I just pray that we'd be that our that our faith would be made manifest. And Father, I pray that the people that look at us would see something different. Father, everybody that claims to be a Christian in the world should have some some form of fruit. And Father, if we don't have any anything any form of fruit that's different than anybody else, then then, what makes us different? What makes us holy? What sets us apart? Yahweh, Father, I pray that you'd give us a heart, a heart that loves you, and a life that that yields fruit. Father, we love you- we ask all these things in your holy son's name, Amen. Amen.